I'm going to ask you about Babcock for about yes, this, uh, what's next. So, uh, okay, here we go. This is the Maca- <clears throat> This is the Bob McCown podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Darren Millard in all week for Robert. Robert will be back later in the week just to chime in and tell me I'm full of it, but that's okay. I'm used to that. It's only been 20 years. Um, so, Darren, the Blue Jackets had their press conference yesterday. John Davidson, Yarmo Kekalainen. Camp starts tomorrow. The new coach, Pascal Vincent. Notice how he said that, Vincent. Yeah. I'm going to make sure Jeff Rimmer, going to make sure that Jeff Rimmer says it that way. Um, is this thing done now? Is it over? Does it have any afterlife? What, 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 what do you see happening? You've been around the game of hockey a long time. Well, from a Columbus Blue Jacket point of view, if things don't go well early and don't go well this season, it will have after effects. There'll be tremors and it could impact uh, job status uh, moving on up. The The thing I'm focused on is athletes love the world against them and battling back and the world it's stacked against Columbus they can make this a story in a positive way that room Pascal and then upper management but if it doesn't go in the storybook fashion I think there's going to be uh, some some uh, dominoes still to fall yeah, I, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, the best thing for the Blue Jackets would have been if they could play a game tonight. Yeah. You know, because uh, you know, some, we were actually talking to a, a couple of people. This is tantamount to what the Boston Bruins went through with young Mitch Miller, the, 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 the drafted pl- the player that they signed. Uh, and then all the, the issues that Miller had, Cam Neely came out. Um, took the blame, took the heat because he's the president of the hockey club. Uh, and then the Bruins went 10 and two and nobody brought Mitch Miller up again. Uh, so it was finding a way. And I, I just, I just hope for the sake of, of the players and, and those people in Columbus that they're able to uh, a learn from it, find a silver lining as a team and hopefully have a, uh, a fruitful and quick camp in order to get to the regular season. You, you know, this, Babcock is gone, and if things stumble out of the gate, people are going to be looking for somebody to talk about or to blame. And mm-hmm. without Babcock being there, it falls on others. And yes. that that's and it's, and it's others that aren't. And, and it right now, that, those others are two guys, and that's yeah. uh, that's John Davidson and Yarmo Kekalainen, who took full responsibility for everything yesterday. We are going to shift from hockey to baseball. Uh, for our topic today, two of our, our favorite guys, two of our friends, Rich Griffin and Scott MacArthur, who have their own podcast. I don't think we'll promote that, but I think we'll talk about it a little bit um, and talk about uh, what a ride it has been for Canada's Major League Baseball team, the Toronto Blue Jays, and perhaps a quick look at some other stories in and around the Jays and Major League Baseball. Scott MacArthur, Rich Griffin, along with Darren Millard and me, on the McCowan podcast. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for betrivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the Bet Rivers Sports and Casino app today. 
Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the McCown Podcast and welcome back to the roller coaster. Seven days ago, everybody was off the bandwagon. Now with 12 games to go, six against the Yankees, six against the Rays. Everybody's back on the Blue Jay wagon as they are the number one wild card at this point, I guess, <laughs> in the American League. Joining, joined by Rich Griffin and Scott MacArthur. Uh, boys, I'd say welcome and give us a plug for your uh, own podcast. So what is the name of your podcast? Griff's going to leave it to me. I could tell by the look on your in your eyes, Griffin. <laughs> no, you say it. You've got you've got the uh, you've got the, the radio guy. Script. You got the spiel. <laughs> uh, the the podcast is called Exit Philosophy uh, with Griff and Scotty Mack, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts in audio form. And we also have a YouTube page, youtubecom slash philosophy. Heavy, heavy Blue Jays talk, but also general baseball and a little bit of life as well. We record each and every Monday. Is that we where you guys uh, have uh, told us that uh, they're going to make the playoffs or not? Uh, have we already determined that? <laughs> it, it's Grip? it's a roller coaster, but uh, <laughs> we're riding it to the end. So <laughs> I, I, it is absolutely amazing um, because we're, we'll we'll talk about the last twelve games in a bit. But it is absolutely amazing what the ride has been since the end of March. I mean, expectations were so high. This, you know, this was not supposed to be a team in third position in the American League East. Uh, everybody thought that uh, if there was to be a team that was going to be at the top of the list, I assume everybody thought it would be Tampa. And then everybody thought that, uh, you know, it was going to be Baltimore and Toronto and, Heaven knows what the other two behemoths were going to do in the Yankees and the Red Sox. But, Rich, you know, there's there's just still so many question marks, even if you think that, you know, they have the inside track to, to play in the playoffs, don't they? Yeah, Baltimore and Tampa are pretty much locked into the division and the first wild card spot, and, and that's up in the air, which, uh, which means Tampa – has something to play for when they play the Blue Jays six of the last 12 games. So that makes it very interesting for both those teams. But like you said, John, I mean, the, this Blue Jays team before the season started with the pitching that they have, it was expected that the offense would be better and that they would carry the division and they would be at the top either in that spot now occupied by Baltimore or Tampa Bay. But it hasn't happened. And luckily for them, the pitching has been good. The starting pitching has been good. They've they've really uh, deepened the the bullpen and made it like a four inning uh, effective bullpen, which you're going to need in the postseason. Which these days, with guys high fiving after five inning starts, you really need during the regular season. But it has been a disappointing year for the Jays 
thus far, but their fate is in their own hands. And that's in sports. That's what we like to say. Scotty, why can they make it? Why won't they make it? Give give me both sides of that. Well, I th- I think it's likely they do make it. Um, and and I say this having watched them for five and a half months, fully aware that they could crater over the next two weeks against the Yankees and Rays. And if that happens, I presume that it will be the offense's fault <laughs> because that has been the issue with this team. But with Seattle and Texas still due to play each other uh, a couple of series here between now and the end of the year, as long as the Blue Jays win a reasonable portion of their remaining games, they will gain enough ground or remain ahead of one of those two Mariners or Rangers teams to get in. I, I don't know if they'll be the, the second wild card or the third and final wild card, and they will play on the road. And it would be at Baltimore, Tampa Bay, or Minnesota, depending on where they slot in the second or third wild card. Why won't they make it, Darren? If 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 they don't make it, it's because they spent the final two weeks looking too much like how they looked for a lot of the first five and a half months. And that is a team that doesn't hit, and that is a team that plays extremely poorly within its own division. Now, the Yankees team that handled them back in May is not the Yankees team now. There are a lot of young players in that Yankees lineup. There are some injuries. So that's why I am assuming, perhaps erroneously, that the Jays will fare much better in the Bronx this week and at home against the Yankees next week. Um, I do think they're going to get in. Six and six, Scotty? Will six and six get them in? Uh, no. eight, eight and four would get them to 91 wins. And Griff and I are of the opinion that it's got to look 91 and 71. Um, well, and, and so, so you got to go eight and four in, in my opinion to, to be safe, six and six might, but eight and four will. In fact, Scotty, the magic number against all three of those AL West teams for the blue Jays is 12. So if they go eight and four, and there's two teams playing seven times that are in that grouping, then one of those teams has to lose four games. So if they lose four games and the Jays win eight games, 91 becomes that number and they're in. So basically they got to go eight and four. And I texted Pete Walker this morning so he could get some sleep the rest of the way after a loss. And, uh, and yeah, so it definitely is in their own hands. Uh, John, to your point, six and six would still allow them a a good opportunity because uh, the team that lost those four games against the Mariners and the Rangers would have to win the rest of their schedule to prevent the Jays at six and six from getting in. So So, like for some crazy reason, they're right in the mix after being swept at home by the Rangers and ignominiously being uh, dumped from the wildcard mix. And now they're back. You know, that 91 wins, Gosh, that that's a haunting number when you think that the last two years, what were they, 91 wins or 92 wins? 91 and 92. So, yeah. so, so, so where, I mean, this team was supposed to grow and build upon those last two years. And I, I would assume, uh, Scotty, that is the biggest frustration, that they haven't been able to grow past where they were, just out of the playoffs last year and being swept in the wild card at home 
or two years ago and then being swept at home in the wild card last year. And uh, John, John, I'll just circle back to how you introduced the entire segment. And you did it quite rightly, but it made me smirk because you called it what we all call it, which is a playoff race. This doesn't feel like a race unless it's some kind of four by 100 where the Blue Jays are like, here, Texas, have the baton. And then Texas is like, nah, nah, we're good. You have it back. It, it feels more like a, a, a tortoise trot than it than it does a playoff race but but to your point they made some significant changes to their team last off season and it was centered on run prevention and without question the outfield defense has vastly vastly improved this year it's inarguable kevin kiermeyer coming off a hip surgery still has it defensively in center field and Dalton Varsho is a better left fielder than anybody particularly Lourdes Gurriel Jr. that they had manning the position last year there has been a consequence to that though which is Dalton Varsho who is still a young player at 26 years old has not taken the next step offensively he came to the Blue Jays as a low on base high slugging percentage against right-handed pitchers. He's a left-handed hitter, so the favorable matchup. He came as a low on base, high slugging percentage guy. And I think when we looked at his OPS against right-handed pitchers, if we didn't look further and break down the OBP and the slugging percentages, we might have thought, well, this guy, this guy's going to be on base 35, 36% of the time against the predominant hand, the right hand, the right-handed pitchers. And it just hasn't happened. He needs to continue to progress. He needs to take another step offensively next year for this trade to look better. Um, but they have succeeded in the run prevention element. They have done so at the expense of some offense, which when compounded with Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s very underwhelming season has led to a lot of the offensive frustration that we've witnessed since the start of April. John, the uh, one thing to consider, and Darren, you would uh, understand this part of the co competitive nature of Major League Baseball compared to uh, the NBA and compared to the NHL, where the haves are going to beat the have-nots 90% of the time, when in fact, uh, in baseball, you've got four teams above the 600 win percentage, four teams below 400, and the rest are all grouped in the middle there. And, and when they expanded to three wildcard teams, all of a sudden, more teams stay in the race. It used to be that a team with 97 wins might not even be a wildcard when it was right. only one wildcard. Uh, I, I remember the Giants had 100 and didn't make the playoffs. 100 wins didn't make the playoffs. But now there's a, a restriction in September. They went from allowing 40 men on the roster. You could only add two. So now there's 28 maximum on the roster. Uh, there's every team above 500 on September 1st believes that they can still earn a wild card berth. So you've got more teams competitive in the final month. And there used to be a separation in September with teams playing youngsters because they knew they were out of it. There was only one wild card. And now you go into it and and Texas Rangers sweep the Jays in Toronto and then they go to Cleveland and Cleveland has a pretty good team they've got a pretty good team 
And and when you've got a five-man rotation, it's like in the NHL, if you had a different goaltender for five straight days, so a different guy every night, and that would make a huge difference. So the pitching matchup in Cleveland, they've got young starters trying to prove themselves. They've got a, a lineup that can produce runs, especially at home, and you saw what happened. So mm-hmm. I think that the 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 target win total uh, can no longer be considered mid nineties, high nineties for wildcard. It's got to be the low nineties, 90, 91, 92. And that's what the Jays are aiming for. But you know, you bring up an interesting point, Rich, that um, in the other sports, there's a real belief, particularly in basketball and hockey is get in and win. Uh, because of the way the officiating changes in both sports. And the way that, uh, you know, you can approach a, a seven-game playoff series. Is is that the case in baseball? Is is this a case of win and get in, particularly if you have a pitching staff like the Jays have? I'm going to defer to Scotty because he has some strong views on this. <laughs> Which, the get in and win? Yeah. I, well, this this for me, and so I'm I'm now... I'm like George Costanza. Oh, a George, a Scott divided against himself cannot stand. Show us your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> it's both an organizer and a friend. Um, but, and a flotation <laughs> device. <laughs> yes, and a flotation <laughs> device. So I am very pro the expanded playoff format. Because for all the reasons Rich laid out, more teams are in it later into the season, keeps the fan bases engaged. The 1993 Barry Bonds-led San Francisco Giants won 102 games and didn't get into the playoffs because the Atlanta Braves with 103 wins won the National League West. It used to be the two division winners in in each league uh, going directly to their championship series. So this is good for the game. The, The flip side of it is that you will end up inevitably with teams that don't necessarily deserve to make the playoffs based on how they've performed over 162 games getting in. And then, oops, there are going to be times when a team that was pretty middling for 162 games wins the World Series. That almost happened last year with the Philadelphia Phillies. It is going to happen. And wouldn't it be funny and 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 I guess a haha sort of funny if it's the Blue Jays this year because if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. suddenly finds the home run stroke more consistently and starts hitting them in the playoffs, picture a Vladdy three-run jack early, mid, or even late in a ball game like he had against the Boston Red Sox on Friday night that accounted for all of the scoring in that game because Jose Barrios and the bullpen were brilliant. That's how you can win games. That's how you can get hot at the right time, even if you're not stout one through nine in your lineup. So as critical as I have been of this Blue Jays team, particularly the front office, which has much to do with its act, uh, more so than what it's done in terms of laying out a 26, or in this case in September, 28-man roster, it is conceivable. I don't think it's necessarily likely, but it is conceivable that the Toronto Blue Jays could win the World Series this year if certain bats get hot at the right time and the pitching keeps up. I love the fact that six and six could possibly get them in the playoffs. It, that like that, that is perfect. a microcosm of the entire year. 
with the Blue Jays. But R- Richard, describe this team, this per- this performance this year. Is it middling? Is it underwhelming? Is it good enough? So we should just be happy with that. Well, there's there's a cliche that's overused in baseball, so I'll use it. Uh, that the baseball season is a marathon, not a sprint. And the Blue Jays built because of their close call in uh, two years ago when they won 91 and failed to make the playoffs and then just barely making it last year. They've built the front office has built this team for the marathon. So their pitching staff is one of the top three or four in the in the American League in terms of overall depth and ability to handle a 162-game schedule. They have five starters who have taken the ball every day, every fifth day. They have a bullpen that can carry you from the fifth to the ninth inning on consecutive days because they're so deep. And once you get to the playoffs, that becomes an issue because everybody goes uh first sign of trouble, take the starter out. I mean, that's the way it's been since uh, the, the San Francisco Giants won World Series in 2010, 12, and 14 based around their bullpen and, and five-inning starts. But the Blue Jays are at a disadvantage when they get to the postseason in terms of a sprint. Now it becomes a sprint. Now you got a five-game or a three-game series, seven-game series. The teams with loaded front ends of their rotation with two or three really studly guys at the top of their rotation have an advantage over the Blue Jays who are just consistent. They, they're deep. And so I will, that's what, you know, you get to the postseason, you got a chance. And, and like Scotty said, it may come down to somebody in the lineup getting hot and carrying them to victory rather than what they've been doing. Uh, relying on the starting pitching basically throughout the course of the season. And yes, they've underachieved. They've underachieved dramatically. And, you know, they're, what is it now, Scotty? 15 and 25 in the AL East. They're 8 and 2 in the AL East since August 2nd, which is good. So they've got 12 games left against the AL East. So, you know, you can make an argument either way using the same stat. But I think that uh, they have vastly underachieved. They should be where Tampa Bay is right now. Baltimore surprised everybody. And that's part of, you know, the way that Baltimore and Boston have handled the Jays this year um, has sort of created that difference in their uh, record from last year to this year. But yeah, it's been a disappointing season. And you can see it on Twitter or whatever you want to call it from fans who should be celebrating six and six down the stretch (laughs) yes yes embrace embrace mediocrity if if it's going to help you i sent out a a tweet this morning about the numbers the magic number 12 and the eight and four clinches a playoff spot for the jays and the negative response to that was unbelievable and i i just don't understand it like either you're a fan of the team you're a fan of the game you understand the nuances or you don't. Well, well, what, what I want to know is your, your discussion, Rich, of the pitching staff. I mean, Kevin Gosman's going to start. I would assume Barrios is going to start. I would assume Bassett's going to start. Does it end there? And do they rotate with, with days off and with schedule? 
uh, does it is it just those three that they, there's an expectation? I mean, you know, we've had a we've had a big discussion on exit philosophy, and Scotty uh, Scotty has some ideas on that. What do you got, Scotty? Well, so you're going to play a three game series on the road, and yeah. if we know this front office's history, and it was strange to us when it happened in 2020, but once we step back emotionally, it made sense. Hyunjin Ryu, you'll recall, pitched the second game. Uh, which turned out to be an elimination game. Depending on how game one goes, it's a clincher or it's an elimination game against Tampa Bay that year. I think Kevin Gosman. Now, if they can, if this, of course, the caveat is they've got to be able to line their rotation up, which means that they're safely in a playoff spot by the final weekend of the season when the Tampa Bay Rays come to Toronto. I think Kevin Gosman starts game two of that three-game series because you're either going to clinch and advance or you're trying to stave off elimination to get yourself to game three. Jose Barrios, for me, is your game three starter because he's been your second best starting pitcher this year, Gosman being your best. So Chris Bassett, to me, is the game one starter against either the Orioles, Rays, or Twins. If they get in, it'll be one of those three opponents. So I would line it up Bassett, Gosman Barrios, if I can. And if you advance to a best of five division series and you go with a fourth starter, that's Hyunjin Ryu. He is not a reliever and he is not being left off of the postseason roster. And he is worthy of a roster spot given how he's pitched. And Griff and I both agree on this, and you can add to it, Griff, if you want. But I, I think you say Kikuchi will revert to what he was late last season. And that is a left-hander in support of Tim Meza down in that bullpen who can dot 96 with his fastball. And and so I think Kikuchi profiles better out of the pen. Ryu is starter or bust, and you're not busting him. I think Kikuchi's uh, August and September has been like a 1.9 earthquake on the Richter scale. You sort of feel a little tremor. You feel it, but you're not sure what you're feeling. And that's the case with Kikuchi. He just totally collapsed his previous two second halves. Last year when he collapsed, he did a serviceable job out of the bullpen as a two or three inning reliever. And given the propensity of managers in the postseason to only have four or five inning starts, that mm -hmm. could be a useful role. But it's definitely not a role that Ryu could do because having been with the team for his, all of his tenure with the Jays, this guy takes 24 hours to get ready for his start. They got to stretch him out the day before. He's watching video while they're stretching his leg above his head. He, he, he needs a massage. He needs to be oiled up. And then the next day arrives and he gets ready for his start. So you can't send him out there in a clutch situation and say, get ready in eight minutes. You're going into pitch. So Kikuchi is that guy. Ryu is the fourth starter. And that's where we stand. I mean, I just, I, I, Millar, Millar just, just got excited because he needs to, a massage and to be oiled up too. So it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, I, I was going to say, Shannon John, that was prep. like me before a broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Replace pitching with broadcast. That, that was like me. That's I don't right. know, there's nothing it's wrong just, with any of this. So, but, <laughs> but from a pitching perspective, Will we see a change in philosophy of how long the starters in, Rich? Are we going to see quicker pulls? 
Yeah, um, we're going to see situations where, because they really do have faith in the depth of their bullpen. Chad Green came in. He's a major league uh, experience with the Yankees, the big spotlight, the big city. He's he's used to that role, and he's an addition that only came in um, September. And so they have enough pitchers to carry five innings. So as soon as you see signs of trouble, maybe twice through the order, and then the third time they go to the bullpen. So that, you know, that's flexible in terms of how many innings that's going to be if you go third time through the order. But yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm sure that uh, there are old school managers who are not big fans of that. But these days, analytics is what it's all about. There's no Corsi rule in uh, in Corsi stat in baseball, but they come close. Yeah, I just if I could just offer a thought on the eye test or the vibe test, whatever we want to call it now. If a guy's got it that day, you know, there's no need to freak out if there's a runner on first base with one out in the bottom of the fifth inning. Um, and Griff loves it when I go back because I'm historically a Chicago Cubs fan, and Griff's a diehard Joe Madden supporter yeah. <laughs> and 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 i didn't like how joe madden managed the seventh game of the 2016 world series now i understand john lester was up in the bullpen a second time you can't get a starter who pitched three two or three days before heated more than twice and expect to be able to use him or at least have him be effective so they had to get lester in but kyle hendricks was grooving and that game got complicated because they took kyle hendricks out like if kevin right. gosman or barrios name the name if if they're sort of looking solid, you got to let them work out of trouble. The, 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 the grass isn't always greener with the next guy. So um, there's analytics and there's all of that that goes into play, but there's a feel for each and every game. And I, I, I really want to see managers lean on that, trust that feel in the dugout as well. Wasn't that the Blake Snell story? Was it, it was San the Diego 2020 Tampa? World Series? Yeah, yeah Kevin yeah. Cash came and got yeah. him. Yeah, just I mean, he was on a roll, and next thing you know, gone, and uh, they lose, yeah. and they that, lose that, the game. That was Kevin Cash who replaced Joe Madden, and <laughs> that organization. That organization is run by analytics because they take chances. They see, uh, especially pitchers, especially relief pitchers. The Tampa Bay Rays see pitchers who have underachieved somewhere else, they feel that they can make them mold them into what they need for that specific season. So they bring them in, they use them in certain roles. And it's amazing. Scotty and I have talked about it, how that organization leads the world in, in elbow surgeries and shoulder surgeries and injuries, because they're fitting human beings into roles that they've created regardless, because they can be replaced. Uh, those guys can be replaced and and i mean i i pretend that i'm a joe madden guy but uh i think he's a bit of a dick well <laughs> we'll save that one when we, when we have when we have quieter times and we have less stories to deal with we're going to take a break here i i i, I want to ask uh both scott and uh and rich about uh the guy who opened up this regular season for the Jays on the mound and what our expectations are of uh, Alec Manoa in the years to come. And we're going to talk about the rest of the playoffs in major league baseball, because there are some fantastic races. And could we see Joey Votto in the postseason? This is the McCowan podcast back after this. 
Welcome back to the McCowan Podcast. Darren in for Bob this week. Rich Griffin, Scott MacArthur of the world-famous, infinitely exciting and interesting podcast, Exit Velocity. How was that? Philosophy. Oh, philosophy. I thought it was a velocity. Well, it's a play on exit oh, velocity. Yeah, I'm exit. a hockey. I'm basically a hockey guy. <laughs> I, I'm basically, well, I'm, I mean, as, as Darren knows, I'm, I'm anti-analytics. So. <laughs> I love so analytics. I, yeah, I, I, I do. Know, I, I, know. I, 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 I buy into it. And you guess we're, we're talking about Tampa and managers doing controversial decisions. That, that, that's what gets them there. I, I can't imagine doing something other than that in those crucial situations. I, it, 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 may, it may work in the long. It may lurk in the long run of 162 games, but yeah. I'll tell you what: go with your gut and use your eyes in the in the big single game decisions. Don't you think, Rich? Well, I was going to ask Darren if if you see players who are aware of certain analytic stats that like puck possession. Does a guy skate around with a puck for an extra eight seconds so he gets <laughs> gets more? possession time and, and does a guy jump off the ice on a three-on-one so he's not on the ice when that happens do you see that <laughs> well i've seen i've seen a guy do that before <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> to, to, somebody avo tell to him, avoid the min minus somebody tell him plus minus isn't relevant anymore yeah, i know <laughs> right <laughs> uh, hey uh so I, I i i hinted at talking about alec manoa before the break um it's obviously been disappointing the jays have done a very good job of keeping the story sealed of really what, what the issues are, but what's his future rich with this organization? Do we know? Well, yeah, Scott and I have talked about that in terms of the organization's uh, control of the situation. And we're not big fans of them controlling the message. I mean, they use Rogers based media to, to get their message out and they've sort of tarred and feathered, Alec Manoa, without him being represented in this situation, he, he, we don't know what he was told in terms of when he was sent down on June the 6th, when he was brought back. That message has not been conveyed. All we know is that he's being portrayed as the villain in this piece, as, as a guy who's a coward, who doesn't want to play, who's betraying his teammates. So to me, the best thing that could happen, he wasn't going to get called up anyway. So the fact that he's not pitching in Buffalo is not a huge deal. He wasn't going to be called up. He can't be that relief pitcher that that we were talking about that Kikuchi could be. And he wasn't going to jump into the rotation ahead of any of these guys. So my suggestion to him would be to go to winter ball, uh, make six or seven or eight starts in the Dominican or Puerto Rico, go to spring training, be ready to fight for a job. Because we've seen the success. We've seen his success at West Virginia University. We've seen his success in the Cape Cod League. We've seen his success at Buffalo, New Hampshire, and in the major leagues for two seasons. We saw him uh, kibitzing with, uh, during the All-Star game as he struck out the side. So like this guy can pitch in the major leagues and he's 25 years old. He could return to that, but he needs to uh, have the support of his team, have the support of his teammates and not, and fans need to not believe what they hear without hearing it from the horse's mouth. Yeah, we were talking about the playoff race earlier as being a bit of a roller coaster. 
the heights that Alec Manoa has achieved and the depths that he has fallen to. I mean, Leviathan at Canada's Wonderland doesn't have a, a climb that steep and a drop that significant. And that's a pretty solid roller coaster. Uh, I just want to piggyback on on what Griff has said about how this information has come out. I found it interesting. And, and while I didn't air quote that, um, for anybody watching on video, I should have. I found it interesting that it came out in the middle of the Texas series when there was some spillage out their diapers with the way that they were performing. And I go back to the summer of 2018 when in private conversations, John Gibbons and Ross Atkins mutually agreed and concluded that 2018 would be Gibbons' final season in the Blue Jays' dugout. He would not return for the 2019 season as manager. That was privately, mutually agreed upon. And then not long after that, through Rogers-owned media, trial balloons about John Gibbons being fired in the very near future, in season, started to float. I feel like something similar has happened here where in the middle of an ugly, ugly performance against the Texas Rangers, suddenly a bright, shiny object reflecting the sun right back into all of our eyes was created to distract us from what was going on on the field. And when I talk about why I don't like this front office, and I don't hide it, and I don't apologize for it, and I think more people need to be honest about it, this is the stuff that they do. And so... I am not defending Alec Manoa. I don't know Alec Manoa's situation. A lot of people don't. I just thought it was hideous what happened last week, and I hope the best for the kid. That's it's playing off of a premeditated situation. Yeah, playing off Scotty's analogy uh, on the podcast, I said that uh, Alec Manoa is the Hunter Biden laptop of the Blue Jays. Oh, that's oh, really good. A, like in, in, in putting it into perspective, uh, but but well, the, the, the laptop, the, but the laptop can't speak back. But right. why, 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 why then is there has there not been a retort from the agent? Why has there? I mean, can the uh, can the Jays actually control it? I mean, Rich, you've been you've been there. Can they me, control the narrative that much? To me, the the players' association and. Manoa's agent must be involved in this. And so it's like a, a if you have a court case pending, you don't want to go out and publicly speak about it. And I believe that because uh, Alec Manoa is now screwed out of service time, which would give him a super two arbitration status, which is going to snowball into costing him millions of dollars down the road. Um, and at Buffalo, his salary is half of his major league salary. It's in his contract. It's on the internet. So yeah, he's losing three hundred eighty thousand dollars this year. Uh, you know, prorated to his time in Buffalo and service time, which is even more important. So I think that that's something that's pending with the players' union and with his agency. So that's why there's nothing come out so far. So, so, so you can see them filing a grievance? Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
Okay. Just to the convenience of, of last week, Scotty, uh, do you think that was the Blue Jays just waiting for an opportunity to do that? Or it was just things are going sideways. We got to do something. Well, it could also just be conversations that happen between team executives and, and media people that, that occur relatively regularly. Um, I just, I just was put off by the timing um, because it did happen in the middle of the, the Texas series where things were, were looking ugly. It, it could be purely coincidental. I just, my giving this front office, the benefit of the doubt expired long ago on this sort of stuff. And so piecing some of the dominoes together, uh, I saw them fall a certain way. And, and so it was a red flag for me, just given the history of this group. I'm just keeping track here. You don't like analytics or coincidences, right? I do. I do like analytics. <laughs> I do like analytics, but I do like a vibe test. If a pitcher's throwing well in the seventh inning, here's the, actually, here's the thing about Manoa that fascinates me. There, there is legitimate reason that he was demoted in June. And we advocated on exit philosophy for not a demotion to Buffalo, but for, in fact, what happened, which was I think that I think he needed to step away. And people got all over me because I said he should go down to Florida and play golf. I, I didn't mean that he should go and play golf all the time and not roll bullpen sessions and sit with people and go to the pitching lab. I just said there have to be times during days where you get away from it. There was also legitimacy to demoting him based on performance the second time. But there's just been a lot of weirdness and too much quietness between both sides. And you wonder if the relationship is frayed. They got to manage this, though, because I think this kid could bounce back, maybe not to the top three in the American League Cy Young level that he reached in his second full season last year, first full season, but essentially came up in May of, of 2021. So almost a full season in 21 is rookie year. But he could bounce back to be a very good major league pitcher. Mm -hmm. And so they have an asset here that, you know, even if you want to look at it from a purely business perspective, cold-hearted, this isn't a human being, this is an asset, you got to manage this because he's a useful piece to your future one way or the other. And other teams would be interested in him given his accomplishments in 21 and 22. His biggest we'll, asset might his biggest asset might be his team control, correct, Rich? Yeah, that, that's. I mean, I think his biggest asset is his ability to get major league hitters out and to be at a front end of a rotation, which he showed. But I think one of the storylines out there that's not true is that he would, because of his actions, he's betrayed his teammates and he's lost the clubhouse. I, I think that Darren, you know, NHLPA and and like. He hasn't lost the clubhouse. He's representing, in a way, everyone in that clubhouse who's been pushed around, bullied, sent down. And and so if he wasn't going to be a part of this playoff push down the stretch, which clearly he wasn't, but we haven't heard it from his mouth, and the Blue Jays haven't said that. Um, if he wasn't going to be a part of that, how is he betraying his teammates and how is he yeah. uh, being a coward in this situation? And I think that's what we have to find out about. And I think that he can easily come back into that clubhouse at spring training next year and start fresh if it's 
in his mindset and if the Blue Jays front office is willing to go that route. Yeah, you can't have one if you don't have the other. That's exactly that, that's a great point. And just Everybody. just on just on one more business note to take it a step further, Alec Manoa did before this season what Bo Bichette did before 2022 when Bichette was still pre-arbitration eligible, which is to say there might be a little bit of negotiating wiggle room based on previous season's performance, but you're getting an incremental raise. You're still a six-figure, not a seven-figure guy. And Bo Bichette, before the 2022 season, didn't like the way that the Blue Jays apportioned salary for pre-arbitration eligible players. And so he had a salary assigned to him that quite likely was tens of thousands of dollars less, maybe $100,000 less than it would have been had they successfully negotiated. But he took a stance on the Blue Jays structure for paying pre-arbitration eligible players. Alec Manoa did the same thing this season. So in terms of losing the clubhouse, from a business perspective, young players who've gone through this would also understand from that perspective. Any chance that he's not in Dunedin in spring training? Uh, only if he's dealt. Only if he's traded. He's, you know, he's got a career in Major League Baseball. I don't think that another organization will trade for him and give fair value at this stage of his career until he proves himself again. So my guess is that, yes, he's not going to hold out at spring training. Just to follow up on what Scotty was talking about, you look at the Blue Jays rotation and he was the opening day starter and including an injured Ryu at the time, there were five other starters and the lowest paid Blue Jays starting pitcher was $10 million for Yusei Kikuchi. Everybody else was up to 21, 22 million. So it was between 10 and 22 and the opening day starter who finished third in the Cy Young balloting a year ago was making $759,000. So, and that was a cut. That was a figure that was renewed because he wouldn't negotiate um, as Bo did not negotiate. Um, so yeah, there's, there's gotta be some, some mental gymnastics played in the head of Alec Manoa when he looks down the bench and sees five other guys making 10 million or more. And he was the best pitcher of that group last year. And it's a business and it's the way it goes, but he's an immature kid who maybe didn't understand the process. And, and I know how much Scotty loves the word process. <laughs> Only if, well, only is, if you so, say me, it in concert with collaboration. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, only yeah. in your meets. So, so are, are are you suggesting that, Rich, that, I mean, he would be sitting there and, you know, comparing bank books? I, I think that? it would have to be in the back of his head. I mean, he wouldn't be doing it on a daily basis. But when it happened and he got renewed for that, that amount of money, which was a split contract, they... They pay him half that to go to Buffalo. And then they cavalierly say, we're sending you to the minor leagues on June 6th. We're going to bring you back. And meanwhile, every two weeks, he's getting a, a half the paycheck that he was getting as he cooperates and goes and works in the lab. And it's difficult. It's difficult for it not to remain in the back of your head while you're going about your business. I, I'm with Richard on this. Not many things get into an athlete's mind more than comparing salaries and, and looking up at that. Uh, slumps, uh, having trouble during certain stretches, uh, you, you can fine tune that, but the bank books don't go away. 
Well, and Darren, to your point, what did Bo Bichette say very early this season when he did the three-year contract to pay through his arbitration-eligible years? I don't have to think about my salary right. this year, next year, yeah. or the year after. I can focus on baseball. And I have theorized that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. may have some of that in the back of his own head, chasing stats, chasing home runs, right? Coming out of his shoes, swinging at bad pitches because he wants to hit 35, 40, 45 home runs because he knows that's what will get him paid three fifty, four hundred million dollars. And it's not a lot of times the player salary. It's what everybody else is making that sure. that gets right. I mean, it's the same thing, but it, they get so focused on what everybody else is 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 making. Hmm. Well, and 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 the structure of how you play the game of baseball and your daily activity. There's a lot of time for conversation too. Let's face it. Yeah. So that, be, that becomes a factor before we go. Um, a quick thought about, uh, we've talked about the American league playoff race, quick thought about uh, the national league playoff race, Scotty. It looks like the giants are going to be on the outside looking in, even though they're two games behind in the last uh, wild card situation, but your Chicago Cubs, and the Cincinnati Reds are tied for that last wild card spot. Uh, give us your handicap. Uh, well, the Cubs just went west and had a really bad week playing in Colorado where they lost two out of three and then getting swept by the Diamondbacks, who on the previous weekend at Wrigley, they lost three of four against. <laughs> we, we've so, heard this with the Blue Jays, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. So, so, but they're, you know, I, although I'll say in the Cubs defense, they're a year early. In, in my opinion, the fact they're doing this right now is exciting in and of itself. However, it ends up, they are back home and will play the pirates this week. So like a trampoline, if there's going to be a bounce back, it's, it's, it's going to happen against a weaker divisional opponent at home. There is a strong part of me too, that would be more than happy for the reds to get in, uh, especially for Joey Votto. I think that they are a young exciting team they captured a lot of imaginations back in the spring when they got on that hot streak and Votto came off the injured list uh Dela Cruz is a special oh. young player so it's it's a lot it's it's just going to be um f f I think specific to the Cubs and Reds the Diamondbacks are involved we know the Giants are too I think it's going to be an exciting final don't forget the Marlins don't forget the Marlins. Marlins, the Marlins. are there too yeah yeah, yeah. I mean Jorge that's Soler looking to do damage to his old team the Cubs to, to Rich's point, um, you know, Major League Baseball has, has done a really good job in, you know, whether it's called parity or whether it's called competitive balance uh, for that uh, for that wild card, certainly in the National League. When you look at it, there's, there's you know, by my count, six teams still thinking they're going to be playing in a miniseries uh, coming the uh, coming next month. So it's, it's, it is kind of fascinating, isn't it, Rich? Yeah, and, and to your point, don't sleep on the Marlins. I think the Marlins have a combination of uh, great young players like the Reds do, but I think they have the pitching that could carry them in. And if it's the Cubs and the Marlins and the Phillies as wild cards, that would be terrific. And, you know, just because a team like the Braves or the Dodgers wins as many games as they do in the regular season, it doesn't mean they're going to go all the way to the World Series. So it'll be an interesting month of October. And uh, God bless the Cubs, but I don't think they're going to go very far. <laughs> think of, think of the revenue that's coming in right now with this with this format compared to the the 
old days uh, that that we all uh, came up with. It's amazing. before we go. Just one quick question. Uh, you, you've talked about the expanded twenty-eight man roster, and you know, ex- excuse my ignorance because I'm starting to get to be in, into hockey mode. But um, are we twenty-six for the playoffs? Or are we still at twenty-eight for the playoffs? Yeah, we're twenty six for the playoffs. I mean, the the forty man roster was just because back in the day, oh, right, right, had nowhere to bring those players, those minor league players. So they brought them to the majors, and it was useless and it was unfair. And now they're back to twenty six for the postseason. All right, boys, this has been a treat. And what's the name of the podcast again? <laughs> Exit Philosophy with Griff and Scotty Mack. Get us on YouTube dot com slash Exit Philosophy or wherever you get your podcasts. Holy This is the most promotion we've ever done for another podcast in our life, Darren. I love the name. It is good. <laughs> that, Makes me. It made me think, and that's a problem on a Tuesday. Two right. great guys and, and a great name. Love it. And anybody's wallet is within reach. It's amazing. Uh, it's an organizer and a friend. Thank you for this, boys. All right, man. Thank you. Thank Griffin, you. Griffin, MacArthur, Exit Philosophy. Millard and I'll be back after this on the McCowan Podcast. Can't stop saying it now. We uh, have mentioned their podcast uh, more times than we have mentioned our podcast today. So <laughs> this is the McCowan podcast. So like, it, available, on you, uh, available on YouTube and all those platforms too. It's a great name, but I feel like it, it would have, it wasn't one of those brainstorming sessions. I feel like it was said by mistake at some point when you're trying to say exit velocity and you said philosophy and they went oh that that's a cool name and that's how it stuck yeah, got the it's not bad it's, yeah. it's not it's 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 not bad i i i always wanted to call a uh, um a sports discussion podcast i always wanted it to call it rfa because there are so many things um describing and rfa is always used in sports right you know yeah. restricted free agent but I, I always believed rfa stood for what everybody everything happens in sports ready fire aim so <laughs> that would have been an i think that's a great name for a podcast ready fire aim is awesome i'm going yeah. to uh write yeah. that yeah. down i'm going to go on uh itunes and document that and make yeah. you pay for it yeah, that's right. <laughs> By the way, I've I've spent more time with Scott MacArthur in the last uh, couple of weeks, and I've seen him in the uh, all the time he was uh, doing the morning show in 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 Toronto. Scotty and John Gibbons and I we were out in Lloydminster for a a hockey banquet for the Lloydminster Bobcats of the AJHL. We had a blast over a couple of days. Uh, lots of stories, and uh, MacArthur knows his baseball. That's for sure. Oh, he's dialed in and Gibby can uh, spin a yarn and yeah. you've got the hockey side covered. I, I would have liked to have been to that. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I can get you invited next year. Yeah. I, I don't want to speak. I just want to be able to sit there and listen to the stories. Yeah, I was, uh, and, and MacArthur did a good job. It was, a, it was a really good banquet and the people in Lloydminster uh, came out in droves. Actually, here's a great story. So at the Lloydminster community center, where the event was, there were 600 people for our banquet. And at the other end, in the other hall, Brett Kessel was, no way. was singing. And about 20 minutes before we started the banquet, a guy came over, tapped me on the shoulder, says, Brett wants to see you. No, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't get a chance to connect, but we, I'm sure we will during the season because he'll be at Edmonton lots. But 
<laughs> so Kissel's down at one end and we're down at the other. It was he, he had 1,400 people and we had 600 people at the banquet. So it was, it was, a, it was a great time, a really good time. In Nobody works a room like Kissel. Like oh, he's, he's good. If oh, he no, finds out good. somebody uh, of and uh, notoriety is around, he will find them. That dude yeah. is a fan. Yeah, uh, he's a big oiler fan, as we all know. So, yeah. thanks for this, Darren. We'll talk hockey tomorrow. Jim Neal, the uh, general manager of the Dallas Stars. Uh, what's going to happen uh, in that uh, Central Division? An interesting Central Division, and Pete DeBoer and the Stars and what they have to accomplish after our pretty successful season last year. This is the McCowan Podcast. 